I'm uh, my yeah, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, man. That feels like a Monday response. Spoken like a guy that's got to go into the office. Mm-hmm. Hello again. Hello Welcome again to Jurassic Park. Aww. <laughs> Is that not on your on your soundboard? No, but it should be. See? This what? Is... <laughs> Look, this is Either that or hold on to your butts. Yeah, that or the one we already talked about. Welcome to the potty, pal. I have that, uh, but it's not downloaded because uh, I'm a man with little time these days. <laughs> uh, thanks to torturing myself and not just throwing away all my comics. It's it's funny. Like I was talking to who was it? Uh, one of my friends, uh, Damien, actually. He's like, oh, yeah, I have all these comics, and he's like, they're just a weight at this point. Like, I can't get like my brain won't allow me to get rid of them, but I also don't like I don't do anything with them because they're sitting there, and it's just like, where do you find that kind of like? At what point do you like? No, it's it's digital now, so I'm good, or I have this in trade, so I don't want the individual issues. And that's the it, thing. It's funny. Yeah. The trades have changed that a lot, and like the speculation on, I've got eighteen years worth of Batman here, and I probably have forty issues that are considered "quote unquote" worth something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, so if you're speculating or you think you're holding on to it because it's going to be worth a lot, I mean, the mental anguish alone of going back through it all later and being like, okay, is six fifty five here? Is 658 here? Oh, is it in perfect condition? Can I send it to get, you know, like... Oh, dude. Yeah, grading is, to me, the biggest, like, just pill to Let me tell you guys about grading and what happened because of Pokemon cards. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's Uh, just go ahead and say you can never, ever get anything graded in your lifetime now because so many Pokemon (laughs) cards have come through. I honestly thought about five seconds of like, you know, they're asking for graders. Uh, I could use some like part-time nighttime work. Why not? Oh, they're <laughs> all in Florida. Yep. All Florida based. Yep. I assume Is for that... some sort of tax dodge reason. That's usually the reason places <laughs> are in Florida. <laughs> let's, send our, let's send our collectibles to the most humid place on the planet. <laughs> in the middle of Hurricane Alley, like yeah, that's the really the place you want to go, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, since we're already talking about comic books, and we've all heard all the voices on this podcast, and I've already started recording, why don't we just start off with hello and welcome to We Were Gamers, a podcast today about comics and shows, comics, comics shows, and uh, you heard JJ, hello, and Michael, hey everybody. And we've got Ken today. Hello, Ken. Hey, guys. How you been? Welcome to the party, pal. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. What if if John McClane was like a super buttoned up, kind of like stuffy? What if he was the the Johnson and Johnsons of that, but he was still the the protagonist? And he delivers all of his lines more like stoic. You need him to, to be Alfred at that point. No, good day, sir. What? What? I it, was 
I want him to have a Roy Rogers. <laughs> Yippee Kai Yay, my friend. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what if he had like a Christopher Walken staccato while trying to say No, Christopher Walken should have been the uh Hans of that movie. Shoot Ooh. the <laughs> shoot the glass. <laughs> Sheeston Finster. Sheeston Finster. <laughs> Shoot the glass. Uh, yeah, we're recasting that instead of talking about what we need to talk about. What about tangents? <laughs> were we talking about before we got started here today, you before guys? Before we even get started. Actually, I have a, a quick one, another one to add. <laughs> we uh, we actually have, I don't know, Andy and JJ, if you guys are aware, but we have something to celebrate. Uh, uh, a t- helicopter tomorrow, flew on Mars. No, tomorrow as we record this, or yesterday as people listen to this, uh, will be five years of this podcast. Oh, when did you look that up, buddy? Um, I had a, a Facebook memory uh, from sometime last week of the celebration of the one-year anniversary from four years ago. Whoa. So I looked up what the date was. Cool. It shows you how with it we are around here. <laughs> yep. Well, and, if you want to get real close attention. Uh, if you want to get in on this party, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you search for "We Were Gamers" on all YouTube, one word, all one word, yeah, put it all together. Subscribe to that; it. that'd be really helpful. And also, yeah. you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at "We Were Gamers." Check us out on all those places. Suckers, you had to hear the ad. <laughs> yeah, but you don't. You don't get to turn it off now. Keep listening. People talking about people talk about like uh, content and uh, you know whatever we. We're not breaking news or whatever, but like that's five years of one hour a week guaranteed plus side pods with Ken and Kit and JJ and I and uh, side pods of Michael and I doing video games. There's so much out there for people for just because we want to do it. Yeah. And if you'd like to sponsor this podcast. (laughs) Yes, do it. Give us the money. Or not. I mean, you know, whatever. We'll keep no. doing it anyway. Then we'd have to split it all and the friendships and all. Yeah. It's not worth it. Here is what yeah, I... We should... just we just buy beer and share it. There beer you and go. Oh, and Mountain Dew. There you go. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll take a cheer wine, too. I'm going to go with that. Okay, okay. cheer wine. Yeah, we've yeah, all determined sure. that's all right. Yeah. There you go. All right. Speaking of speaking of uh, Die Hard, though, <laughs> I just... I'm sorry. It just... It was such a good topic. There's a cop in Die Hard uh, played by Reginald Vell Johnson. Yes. Awesome, and you know he had a recent project recently that oh, I yeah. thought was really good. Yeah, he's on this new animated cartoon called Invincible, and he plays the principal. He out transitioned you, JJ. I could hear it yeah, coming. He got me so good. He got dude. you so good. Like, <laughs> I feel like that. I was just swept away into the world of Invincible, which we have talked about on this podcast before, and I think we, at least Michael, Andrew, and I have all said is great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Ken, yeah. do you agree with us? Oh yeah, it, it's it's a phenomenal adaptation too because like I think I mean we've talked off air, just the transition of different timelines in the story of like oh where do we place this character's development here but still yeah, keep so, like sliding stuff. It's so well done. I think Ken and I have talked about it a lot off the air, but we'll just give you a quick rundown so you guys know. I mean I reread all of this um, that goes, so I haven't reread everything that goes into quote unquote the first season. But I have read the comics that end at the same place as the first season. So that gives you about 13 issues or so. Um, Now there's, but to clarify that, that's like 
Um, so Amber, the girlfriend, uh, is barely a character in those issues at all. Like, l- literally mentioned one time and in, I think, two panels. Right? Yeah. Um, some villains that are in the show don't exist yet in the comic. Like, multiple villains in the show. The side villains. Like, um, I can't remember um, the rock guy's name and... Um, Gosh, off the top of my head, I I, I want to say concrete, but now concrete, no, granite, 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 granite. One of those, one of those dudes uh, doesn't does uh, bedrock, bad rock. No, bad bad rock slash bedrock is an image character, but that's from uh, I want to say young young blood. So different. Oh, it might be. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to. There's too many invincible characters out there. <laughs> Well, then also, uh, like, some of their names are just like, oh, it, it's like, oh, robot. What's he? Like, okay, it's pretty yeah. on the nose. Yeah. So where do you, it's hard to track those uh, names sometimes. There's also storylines that were cut completely. Um, and the relationship with, with his dad is put much more forward into this versus it kind of being a side story until towards the end. Uh, well, let's just say spoilers now, right? Spoilers now. Yeah, we're gonna Spoilers spoil now. Out of this. Uh, this is the last warning of this, basically this podcast. Um, and I also wanted to throw out there, I don't know if you noticed, Ken, um, you might be the, the one to pick up on this, but the diversity of the comic is completely revamped. I think when I was reading the issues, the only person of color that I noticed off the top, just straight up off the top is black Samson. Um, Invincible yeah. and his family is not specifically De- he and Debbie are not AAPI characters off the bat, right? Um, in it's and they're it's, yeah, nondescript. It's, uh, yeah, Amber's white. Mm-hmm. William Williams not at least at this point in the comic a gay character. You know, Debbie Debbie's hardly anything. I mean, specifically Cecil says to Debbie in the comic, like, I know you don't have an income and you don't really do anything, but here we're going to provide you for you forever. It's like, Oh, okay. That's weird and off putting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying it. to remember. I, and I think she has the job later on, but yeah, she does. She is just like, right. In the beginning, she's estate. just sort of there. Um, yeah. she, she obviously ends up a character later. Um, when we talk about Oliver and other people, uh in the comic but uh yeah it's crazy i mean cecil in the show starts off you know from the very beginning right but he doesn't show up until after everything goes down in that final uh fight uh cecil then shows up right but i mean can you imagine the show if cecil wasn't there (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah wow yeah (laughs) well that's the, the funny thing too is like the way they they push different stories forward like there's the demon who they talk to, who's the, the I want to say detective demon. I'm trying to remember his name in the show. By the way, it's Titan, who's Damian, the rock guy. Damien Darkblood. Damien Darkblood. Damien Darkblood, yeah. yeah. In his in the comics, I mean, spoilers for the comics, like we said, but he doesn't find out what happened to the to the Guardians of the Globe until like six issues after Omni-Man already outs himself. And he comes back to Cecil, and he's like, by the way, I found out what happened. He's like, yeah, we know. What are you talking about? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, let's do our best, Ken, you and me, uh, to not spoil the comics. Yeah. I uh, just, just, that was one that I thought yeah. was an interesting twist. We're like, no, let's actually develop who this character is. And even to your speak to diversity, like they do, like Shrinking Ray, who is who is in the comics, but is a is a male character. They turn they yeah, make turned him female. into a female. Mm-hmm. Um, the Green Guardian, or not the Green 
there's a green character, especially Green Lantern. They changed the gender and ethnicity. Uh, Darkwing. I don't think Darkwing was black in the comic. Yes, he was. Oh, he was. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they definitely do do with because with the Green Lantern character, it wasn't too specific. Like it wasn't. They barely. They're there for an issue, so it wasn't that big of a deal. How much did you guys enjoy the Mahler twins? Because they're barely a a thing. Yeah, they're barely a thing. I'm um, extremely happy that those two seem to have survived and at least will <laughs> could continually show up potentially later in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I don't think we need to do a walkthrough of the show, but I know JJ said he had a lot of questions and um, we well, you talked- guys answered a bunch of them already right oh, here okay. off the top. Cause oh, a lot really? of mine was a lot of what I was interested in is like, how different is this from the comics? And clearly the answer is a lot. It was just like, pretty surprising What's to me funny, given how cohesive the show felt to me anyway it's more a lot in terms of pacing and i think that after an interview that kirkman did he speaks to how doing the walking dead as a comic and then as a show they learned that they don't have to and with the with that they were like no let's not let's not just do the same thing again because people are going to see it coming so it won't be interesting it's like they saw that people didn't care they wanted to see it play out like it did in the comics because it's still that journey that they're taking again or someone else is taking for the first time. So that they had a good story, they just leaned into it or they developed it a little bit differently. So a lot of the stories just shift around in kind of in like the A, a story, B story stuff, whereas the majority of it's all still there. It's just how it plays out a little bit. There's it's, There are some differences, though. Yeah, it certainly it's, feels it's, like they've advanced storylines and created deeper characters right away. Um Versus the sh- the comic that didn't try to do that until much later on. Um, and it did so in some characters, especially with like Adam Eve. Adam Eve is is a, a character in the comics that you... She gets put through the... Uh, not the ringer, uh, but her character... The emotional ringer. It, yeah, the emotional ringer of her character happens in like a 12-issue arc. And you're like, my gosh, I wish this was longer in terms of like what what she has to go through and all that. And it seems like they've already set that up, right? So where her character is at is 20 issues, maybe ahead of where we are right now. Um, mm. And I'd say, I'd say the pacing is the, is the definite thing. Something that Ken and I disagreed on, and, and I want to get your, your two opinions on is what do you, th- what did you end up thinking you and Michael JJ and Michael uh, of the relationship between uh, Mark and his dad up until the end. <laughs> uh, I think I mean, Michael may have a different opinion than I do, but I, I think the I'm surprised at how it went from like a really it, it went from Mark really wanting to be his father to just like like abject horror and like disgust at his dad by the last episode, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like I, I wonder. It, it's a, it, I mean, we haven't seen the whole arc here, so it's hard for me to know, right? I, I feel like it's hard for me to like gauge how the arc of his character is going because, like, is this still, as far as I know, is this still upward rising motion? You know, or are we on a downward arc or a you know, like, like what's happening with his character here? It's certainly an arc was completed in the course of this one season, but I don't know, like, 
I don't know what the end state of this of this is. And given how much happened in the first season, like I I don't like is is Mark gonna survive a second season? Like <laughs> I don't know, you that, know, like that title card doesn't have a lot more room for blood on it. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry, he gets a new costume at some point and it'll be clean again. Yeah, they gotta yeah. sell another color action figure. It's yep. just how simple but it is. I like I like that it was it was a a common story of uh you know a teenager coming to terms with the fact that his father is not is quite literally not the hero that he thought he was yeah rereading the comic and i don't i would wonder how this would have played out he has a much different relationship it seems like with his dad where he he idolizes him more as omni-man than he does as you know Mr. Grayson, <laughs> his father, huh. right? And and they changed that up in this show of showing you relationships with where the two of them are interacting about him growing up versus I think when I read it again, it was much more of like he develops mostly on his own versus the training with his dad and that sort of stuff. Um, and just sort of is having fun being a teen superhero who really doesn't have any consequences. And then out of nowhere, his dad shows up and it all goes south. And, and immediately he's betrayed by what's kind of more like a hero than a father. Yeah. And there's, but there are good, there's good developments that are different within the show as well. Like they, in his first interaction with the Flaxons, he actually, he's, he's in out of his element. He's like, Oh wait, I can't handle this. And he starts to hyperventilate. Like he, he has the like the proper oh, yeah. reaction I think most would have. That's Whereas very in the comics. Very he's different. He's just like gung ho. Let's go kick butt yeah. because to a certain degree he is invincible. But this has a better kind of human reaction to that. Oh man! And, and the change in that was crazy. The the change in the Flaxen fight. The Flaxons are the ones that age when they came through the portal. I don't know if you remember that fight. Oh, okay, um, the aliens that show up like two or three times. They show up yeah. two or three times. So in the comic. Omni-Man says to Invincible, hey, uh, yeah, I could use your help fighting these guys, it seems like. And they go and they show up and they they beat the tar out of the Flaxons. And um, and he Omni-Man gets pulled through a portal and then you don't see him again. And then he shows up later and he's like, uh, you know, they tried to take my powers from me, but eventually I escaped and overthrew their government and I'm back, you know. With the help of rebels. With the help of that's rebels. Is, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And but so in the like, show, you get you get the the uh, the cut to where he's on the planet and he's just annihilating everyone, mm-hmm. and you get that insight into his character. Meanwhile, Mark and the Guardians, the new Guardians, are are whiffing and failing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's and a that's great too, change. It's an interesting take too because in the comic when we get in, there's. The shift there is that they you don't know that who kills the guardians. You just know that they die. They all get called to the to the watchtower essentially, and then someone takes them out. And so for those first thirteen issues, you don't know who is the culprit. So right. they they do a better job of adding that tension in there. And when we, when it happens with Mark's father, like when he disappears, you're like, oh, like he goes home and he's like, uh, dad got pulled into a portal, and, she, and it, it, his mom takes it in stride, and she's just kind of like, well, I guess we'll just he won't be here for dinner, and they just, she kind of just goes with it because she does she accepts living in the comic book world, which is kind of, it's a good, it's a good way to play it. 
But then he does eventually show up and go. He's like, all right, I got a shower and just walks upstairs and they all play like normal. But you do see some relief on his mom's face. And he says that part about, oh, you know, I was depowered for a bit. And thanks to the rebels, I got loose and I was able to get back to you guys. But because he is an unreliable narrator, we never think about it that he's that that's how it played out. But in retrospect, you're like, oh, yeah, that this is totally what, how it could have played out. And we just never saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think bringing up the fact that he's like clearly not trustworthy at the very beginning of the show sets up a really different. I mean, it sounds to me like a really different dynamic than the comics are, we're going for, where they're sort of making a mystery out of it, telling you up front who the culprit is. It's and it's then even... sort of like building the dramatic tension instead for the whole season, right? Like, yeah. are they going to find out what's going to happen? What's actually going on is a different framing for the story, which then gives you a lot of interesting. I mean, like I really, like I said, I really love this, this series. It was great. And I, I think if they had done it the way you described it in the, in the comic, like a more of a straight adaptation, maybe it also would have been good. I mean, Lord knows that the cast is talented enough probably to pull off anything, but I feel like this framing at least made me more interested as a viewer. I think yeah. one one thing that um, Kirkman maybe learned from The Walking Dead and what we as a viewing populace have learned over the last 15 years of remakes after remakes after remakes. It, I mean, even in the case of that most recent Mortal Kombat movie, this was probably the case, right? Um that sometimes our perceptions and memory of something is better than being directly connected. Right. So like my perception and memory of what happens in invincible, I didn't reread it before I watched it. I reread it after on purpose because I wanted to see how much of it felt the same and how much of it I felt like I was surprised by. And none of it felt when I watched it without rereading it, out of place in a whoa that's a huge change except that things were out of order sure. right like i knew that i was going to to know that it, that omni man had taken out the guardians but being shown it right off the bat and then living with the tension of it was a difference that felt like it was connected and had the same spirit as the comic but was new and exciting and all the changes that made it, I think, in my opinion, better. I, I love the comic a lot. I, I plan to reread the rest of it. Um, maybe in the same way. I'm not sure. All 144 issues? Wow. Ooh. Really <laughs> going out of the on a limb there. That's It's it's a lot because I, I thought about the same thing, too. Of like, oh, you know, maybe I want to go back and reread it. And I'm like, I don't have I have some of the trades and some hardcovers. But I'm like, oh, wait, how many issues? Like, there's 144. Like, that is, that's a insane. Lot. Yeah. Like, it's it's a lot to get into. And I'm like, man, how much how much are we going to get through with, you know, you look at a show and you think, okay, it's going to be five seasons, maybe. Like, where, like, how deep are they going to go? And what They're going to they have cut? to cut. They and they've already like? cut some. If I went back through, you know, this first trade, they've cut some out and they've already gotten into trades two and three. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With with a lot of the B stuff. And, yeah. And now that they have extra time, it'll be amazing to see how they connect in characters that span multiple books because they'll need to soon, right? Um. Anyway, my point. My point. I was trying to make really to wrap it up quickly was that um, 
We didn't hear too much from Michael. We didn't know what Michael's take on, on the show. Oh, I, I just meant I'm, yeah. to wrap up my previous thought was that... Uh, oh, sorry. That maybe sometimes the best way to approach something is for them to think about it in its entirety and make sure it's all the same in the way that it feels and, and not in the way of the walking dead, try to trick you into believing, you know, what's going to happen or that like, Oh, this person dies a different way or, Oh, maybe this person doesn't die or dying is not the only thing that matters, obviously, but like changing the relationship. Like uh, what if Omni-Man wasn't the bad guy at the beginning, you know, that sort of stuff isn't the way as much as it is, it's okay to reimagine how to get there, but as long as the beats are the same, uh, oftentimes the the feeling of nostalgia you have for something can be preserved while making it better. And I think this is it's quite quite uh, demonstrably. I think I could lay out a, a case for why this is better, at least in in terms of trying to tell it for TV than sticking to what I read, reread. Anyway, yeah, Michael, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I was just going to add that I think it's I think it's much more uh, engaging for the driving question to be a why rather than a who. Right. So by by not introducing Omni-Man at the beginning, your the whole story is being driven by who committed the crime. Whereas when you know what happened, but not why, I think it makes for um more emotional investment because you you know that you have this character who the whole world thinks is a hero uh, but has suddenly and as far as you know without any good reason slaughtered a whole bunch of the rest of earth's heroes uh, and wanting to know what drove him to do that really um sort of keeps you going with the show yeah, it's that's such a good point. Like, real. Oh my god! And it transitions perfectly into the next thing we're going to talk about: knowing why, <laughs> why characters work that way, and the why of the, the it, making the show about the characters as opposed to about the the action or the or the who done it or the uh, like the fighting is why this show is so great, and I think it's. Your question about like it, characters, you know, why do they act the way they do really does impact like some of what I want to say about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is the next thing we're going to talk about here. I I guess spoilers <laughs> for that, too. We're just, I just want to start like spoil literally everything about that show. So yeah. if you don't, what a different show. It, what? Uh, what? A, wow. And I, yeah. And like I just like to continue my thought. It literally is like that show I think doesn't understand the thing that invincible does understand, right? It doesn't understand that like you can't just have like staple action scenes onto cool characters and then end up with a good show. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a fair take, but it's also to the point that uh, Andy was making, they had the, they had the blueprints for them for the last, you know, 10 years. You've, you've got that formatting of we, we know where we're going to go. How do we find the best way to get there as opposed to with Falcon of the Winter Soldier where it's like, OK, we want to get there. The comics can kind of just give us a guide, but we already have veered off. So we have to find our own path to a degree. Yeah, they, and then we also have to deal with COVID. And how does that change our storytelling? And 
there's different hurdles in in front of Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they they go for other questions that Invincible doesn't even touch on. So it's like I do I think that Falcon and Winter Soldier, you can it's apples and oranges. Like there's there's yes they're both superhero mediums, but there's also different types of storytelling. Totally fair. And it also has to serve a larger purpose in like Marvel's MCU and a whole bunch of other things that, you know, Invincible clearly doesn't have to worry about. But like even in contrast to the previous MCU show, which was uh, WandaVision, right? Mm -hmm. The whys and the interestings of like what's going on in that show made that show so much more interesting for me to watch than this one. That's fair because there there is more of a like you know something's wrong but you need to find out why. That's that is the push of WandaVision of well why is this happening and how? Like you don't you don't fully you are asking that same that similar question of like okay, well how do we get there? What's this how do we unravel this? Whereas Winter Soldier is a yeah, it's it is a different question. I definitely feel you there. And like, you know, to be fair, there are a lot of interesting characters in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I I think the uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to completely forget his name. The actor who played uh, the new Captain America who became U.S. agent. John oh. Walker. Wyatt, what? Wyatt Russell, John Walker is the character. John Walker, Wyatt Russell, thank you. Uh, I think he, like, they literally said, I mean, they did the best possible job of bringing him out in that episode where they revealed him, of just having him have the ultimate face you want to punch. <laughs> he, like he smiles with that costume, the Captain America costume on that first time. And I was just like, I want to punch a hole through the TV through this man's head. <laughs> and, you know, th- he, then you learn later, like, yeah, he's actually like, you know, tries to be a good guy, but, you know, he's caught up in all this other stuff. And, it, you know, some of this may or may not be his fault, but ultimately, you know, personal responsibility has a problem there. But like, gosh, just what a punchable face that guy has. <laughs> Which is why when uh, he originally auditioned to be Captain America, they didn't cast him. Is that true? True fact. I didn't know that. Wow. Dang. Yeah. True That's crazy. Right. I didn't Arch. know that he... <laughs> like, I'm, I'm like, now I need to check my Blu-rays. Be like, okay, wait, where are those... Where were those audition tapes? I need to see those. I, I'm crazy. almost certain that he auditioned to be Captain America, and that's why he was on the short list to play U.S. agent. Because it wasn't... He had, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that when Kirk Russell was on the set for Guardians. He's like, hey, guys, can you give my son a job? He really needs it. Yeah. Like his sister's doing fine. She's got her own career. But Wyatt's doesn't have a lot in his, his, his uh, IMDb yet. So can we, can we help him out there? Yeah. Did you know that, JJ? <laughs> I, had uh, no idea. When, I didn't know that. But, you know, now that you said Russell, it makes perfect sense, yeah. right? Yep. <laughs> I never know who in Hollywood has an actual is actually related to each other because people change their names and use stage names and stuff all the time. And I never just know if they're just picking generic white person sounding name or if that's actually their name. <laughs> the family name. Because I, there's a bunch of people, right, who do that. And I think, so I just never know which ones are real. I think JJ threw out there that he maybe felt that the stro- show struggled. I, I want to put a little more positive spin on it, but not much. I think <laughs> I I enjoyed it. It was very well acted. Uh, Sebastian Stan and um, oh my god, uh, Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie really do actually make a duo. I mean, it, mm-hmm. oh yeah, for real, easily like, the best part of the show. One hundred hands down, best part of the show is watching those two try to get along on screen, and you'd be like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
But um, honestly, that they would have been better with more scenes between them and the therapist because those were some of the best scenes. I thought <laughs> she is a great character actress who has done like other roles, uh, very similar in other shows. And like when they had when I saw her in the trailer, I'm like, this is great. This is the perfect casting because just like what are those like perfect when you're like, oh, we need a, we need this kind of person. Well, why don't we just hire that person? Oh, okay, let's. Easy great Falco, character actress. I yeah. think is her name. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, um, but it, oh, sorry, so I just want to finish my my overarching thought here. The villains are laughably didn't like. Yeah. There's no thought to the villains of this show. Almost zero. The surprise of oh, the power broker. It couldn't possibly be the person with the last name Rogers. Oh no, it is. Uh, Carter or no. Carter, whatever. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, they gave they gave that away in the second episode. Uh, only if, yeah, well, they assumed you weren't paying attention because they really tried to draw that one out. Uh, Sigh. Yeah, well, but the thing about it is that it's good. It's It's a fun thing to watch. It's enjoyable, but it suffers from what I think WandaVision somehow escaped. And I don't understand how and why. Which is that things happen in WandaVision that kind of matter. Like, hey, by the way, there are still scrolls on Earth, and there's one in this show. Hey, there's this new hero created by this show, and her name is Pulsar. Hey, uh, there's a white vision out there now that's powered by Wanda Magic. There's you know, there's like all this stuff that could show up later and people might wonder about how it came to be. Yeah, I mean the scroll thing. There wasn't there wasn't one until the last episode, and hypothetically, just the I mean, just the end credits. Okay. As opposed, okay. I mean, so I mean, it's I do I mean I see that you definitely like the the white vision. We do have something that that would carry on to another story, but that's I think for the most part, one division got to be its own story. It was Wanda's story and and her dealing with that grief. Whereas, like to JJ's point the Falcon and winter soldier has to pick up a lot of pieces and then move us forward for the next show, but it doesn't, it doesn't pick up any pieces or move you forward. You're left at the very end of end game with these two characters being told by Steve Rogers that this is his, this is Anthony Mackie's shield. And, and you see Sebastian Stan accept it then. And so if we go to the next movie and Sam Wilson is captain America, you go, Oh yeah. Cause that's what happened at the end of that last movie. None of the stuff that happened in here matters unless USA agent shows up somewhere, which he won't. Well, or they they set up Julia Louise Dreyfus for what? For for a, for a movie? For what? You know what I mean? Like who knows? I don't know. Yeah. She's the Contessa or whatever that I just, is. I it doesn't. That... It doesn't have the same feeling of you needed or wanted to see it for the benefit of the MCU versus versus. And I think this is a a point that I still want to make seeing two characters that you uh, enjoy the acting of, of uh, get screen time. And that was, that was good. And like watching Bucky for me personally have to accept things about himself really helps the fact that I, as a person that read some of those comics, am a little bit annoyed at the fact that he doesn't get a crack at the shield. Right. Right. I mean that they kind of they touch on that when he speaks to um when he speaks to God, why am I blanking on names suddenly? 
Sam when right. they're speaking to, when he's, after they have the, the shield. But he has but like on, on a side note, I will jump back to because JJ said his favorite part. My favorite part was Carl Lumley as Isaiah Bradley. Oh like, yeah, touch well, on the point that we oh, had. That was, uh, we, stuff was great. we were gonna get yeah. we were gonna right. get to red, white, and black in it later on in this because that's that's what uh, what people need to hear about, right? Um, yeah, and that's and but that's that's also connected to that story of like, well, if you at the end of the movie he says, you know, it feels like it's someone else's. He says it's not. So we don't have like, did, did Sam just accept that from there? He didn't. He he felt still unsure of himself. Much like Bucky does, and they even touch on the point that this is looping back to where I cut in was that Bucky doesn't feel secure in taking the shield. He didn't want to take a crack at it because he's like, "No, I'm not good enough. I don't." He's got his own confidence issues, and that's another great point to uh, bringing it back to the the. Um, oh, so so sorry to the psychologist. That, but that's my the, point. That's my point of yeah. this is that I think JJ is right. There's not a lot of why at the end of watching this. You're like, "All right, I mean." There's a lot of good background information here, and there's a lot of good individual stories told, and there's a really important story story told with Red, White, and Black and Isaiah Bradley, right? But but you're left with a lot of well, why though? Like what? Wh- why did we have these these villains? Because yeah, I guess the world would have a lot of trouble reintegrating half the people, right? Like yeah. I mean that's that's a thing, but it's also not an interesting story, right? Yeah. It's I, not it's the, not that interesting. So you're left with the things that are interesting, which is for me personally saying, well, Bucky should have gotten a crack at the shield, even though I like the Sam Wilson choice, and it is canonically correct at at a further point in a in the future. But you're left wanting to know why Bucky does. Oh well, if you watch the show, then you get to see. Okay, well, Bucky's character in these in this MCU doesn't end up feeling worthy of wanting it feels like he has to defend it in multiple instances and then, you know, understands his role is to make sure Sam can accept it. And that's worth that's that there's value in watching that, I think. And that's why I wanted to say my, my take on this show might be a little bit more positive than Gigi's take I, on the show. I mean, but I like, guess I, I, I want to be clear. I had a great time watching the show and I was happy to watch it every week. I'm yeah. not like out here saying that I hated the show or anything, but I, I think also the concern I have is that this is a greater problem with Marvel stuff in general. They're kind of bad at making villains and like, think about the, the yeah, greatest the Marvel movies, right? Yeah. Other than Endgame and um, Infinity War with Thanos, can't name any that were real good. Oh, you didn't, you like, didn't like Ronan? Killmonger? I did like Killmonger, actually, and he's one of the better ones. Oh, Killmonger's. Uh, one. yeah. I don't know who Ronan is, so that already doesn't tell you anything. It's <laughs> funny. Who said, who said Killmonger? Because I didn't hear it. I did. Oh, okay. Because that, that's an actual good one. I went with Ronan because he's is, big, is blue, one and of dumb. them. <laughs> Killmonger is one of the best and like, you know, Killmonger gets a good amount. They spend a decent amount of time on Killmonger in that movie. However, they also then kill him in that movie. And so now he's no longer around with an asterisk. Right. You know, (laughs) superhero movies, who knows? Right. But the, and this, and that's just a problem that Marvel movies have. And, you know, it seems to be flowing somewhat into the TV shows as well. And I just, it, it makes it, 
not as fun because a great story, like great protagonists need great foils in order to really shine, right? And so something that you get, you know, even some of the best Marvel movies like are kind of lacking in the villain department, like Iron Man 1. Who is really the villain in Iron Man 1? Uh, Jeff Bridges, who runs that corporation? That's kind of it, right? Uh, that would be, yes, Obadiah Stane. But the villain there is Tony's ego. That's the villain. Which is why it's great, because that <laughs> the hero is his own villain, and therefore they have they spend the whole time with the villain, right? Yeah. And you, know, and you can't do that every time, because not everyone is flawed the way Tony Stark is. But that was that was my central problem with the show, is that, like, it just sort of felt very light and kind of like, oh, this is a fun romp through some terrorist fights and well, us trying to take down some bad people here. He, he, Sam's character, and I, uh, I, I'll stop here after after this thought, but and then Michael, who is very fresh on this show, should jump in. But Sam spends the whole time trying to convince a group of juvenile terrorists with even more juvenile goals and understandings of, of the world uh, to uh, change their ways. And he gives amazing speeches to them and all this sort of stuff and doesn't convince them for one second. U S agent, however, you know, he's around and he is a fantastic foil for Sam and manages to convince him by barely trying. Uh, maybe that could have been reworked into, Hey, there are some terrorists out there, and there's this guy who's gone completely rogue thanks to the super soldier serum. You need to worry about him more than anything else, right? Yeah, I, um, I just, I guess, I wonder a, what they're going to do. You know, there's a reworking a, like, of that that could have happened. But Michael, you're 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 pretty fresh on this. We, you know, we've had a few weeks to kind of digest it and overthink it a little bit because when we watched the end of it, we all seemed to enjoy it. But thoughts? Yeah, so so two things, one one quick and one a little longer. The quick one is that I think that this more than WandaVision might have scratched that big budget action part of the Marvel movies. I don't know, it had a lot of scenes about repairing a boat. Sure, it did, <laughs> but I think there was more the the fight scenes were were bigger than uh than what most of what you got in WandaVision. Uh at least until the very end. Um but I think bigger the the bigger issue to me is to wonder whether or not the show the the all the things that felt off about the show were consequences of them having to shorten their season and not being able to tell the story that they had originally been planning on telling over the length of time that they were given to tell it right cuz WandaVision had their episode arc and they got to complete it from start to finish um this show had i don't know if they ever said what the original episode count was supposed to be eight or ten um, but they had to condense the story that they were going to tell into six episodes and so it results in things like in that very last episode there are a whole lot of moments that are are very heavy and a little bit hit you over the head with it and if they'd been spread out, it might not have felt so heavy handed. But because they've only got this one episode left to tie everything up, it feels like, you know, every other scene is something where they're just really driving the point home over and over. Yeah. And there's something I mean, to to 
um, to that point, we were supposed to have this. We were supposed to have Black Widow before this, and then also have this. I'm sorry, have Falcon and Winter Soldier before um, WandaVision. So the pay, like their their timing of like, okay, we we move things from here to there, and now we're we're getting the stories and kind of like we did get a the, that big advent, adventure show like you're speaking to like that we we had the action packed one and wanda was going to be like the the more home story or the story about this just wanda individually as opposed to a greater mcu thing and so you do get to have that consolidated storytelling and throwing it off that and the, there's Mar- uh, malcolm spellman the the uh showrunner and head writer he's talked about how some of the storylines he had had to be cut because of covid and the changing of the of the formatting so they're like okay well he's trying to t- still tell that story in hopefully captain america 4 and so that's cuz he still really loves that that initial story uh, core that he had but he had to let that go so where do you kind of find that pace afterwards that's a big that's question interesting. i don't think i don't think i knew that this this was supposed to have come before wandavision yeah, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I hopefully I didn't spoil anything, but there's there's I mean, there's a character that shows up in this who was supposed to show up first in in uh, Black Widow, or we were supposed to see first in Black Widow. Oh, really? Do we? Oh. Yeah. Do we? Oh, is that um, Julia Louis, Louise's character? I I confirm or deny. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. It's gotta yeah, be her character, sense. right? Because then you wouldn't be like, oh, well. Was that it? would, and that would that would have made her make a lot more sense because to me she felt really jarring in this because her her character was very out of step with the tone of the rest of the show she seemed Mm -hmm. like she was supposed to be an after credits tease and yet she showed up like multiple times you're like who are you and what do you do you not explained yeah and i think that part of that too like with um uh that's a yeah sharon carter like her being the power broker I still don't see her as the power broker. I see her as one of the underlings because there's just certain things that don't totally gel with that story. And it feels either that's because I don't accept that char- the way that character went from a hero to a villain or I also, but I also put that a little bit on the way the story kind of had to unfold in that way. Oh, it's I very, it was very jarring her. to be like Sharon Carter's a villain. And you're like, eh, I guess maybe not a villain villain or maybe anti-hero, but at the, at the worst you'd be like Carter, come on. Really? We're going to believe that? Yeah. Am I supposed to know who Sharon Carter is from something else in the MCU, or is this a new character? Yes. She was in Winter, She was in um, Captain America Winter Soldier, and she was in uh, Civil War. Okay, so Civil War was the last time we saw her? Yes. She's also the niece of Peggy Carter. Right. I got that part. Okay. I just didn't. Okay, I haven't rewatched the Civil War and Captain America: Winter Soldier in a long time. Yeah, so. and they allude they allude to her previous appearances when they're talking about uh, having uh, stolen the shield the first time. Yeah, I, I assumed it was something like that. I just haven't. I just had no memory of that, just because like everything before Infinity War kind of was just like a blur at this point, since I haven't gone back and seen it. I mean, it's been probably eight years since you saw one of them, so yeah, it's understandable. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, yeah. I I wish I could know more about what the original plan was because I feel like this show was like almost great in several places, right? I think it was yeah. great in several places. 
Yeah. And I, I think, but as, think, a, as a whole unit though, I definitely agree with that sentiment of like, there's so much great there, but there's some disconnect at times. Like I, I would wholeheartedly recommend if you have Disney plus already and you're looking for something fun, this is pretty fun. You can watch this and have a good time. I don't yeah. think anyone is going to be sad watching. Like this. if you have this or Mar- mortal Kombat in front of you, watch this instead. And then watch mortal Kombat Cause why not? No, I mean, yeah, I guess you already paid for HBO, so you should watch the mortal Kombat anyway. while yeah. you got it. Right. If you so, got it. And then watch Warrior, because Warrior's awesome. I know I'm just adding more homework to people's lists, but Warrior's a great show. Also on HBO Max. All right. Five ninety nine a month. We're missing the real point. We're <laughs> missing the real point of this show, which was that they made Red, White, and Black canon. Yeah. Which is an amazing feat for, I think, Marvel in general. I think a lot of they're going to get a lot of flack for having done something, quote-unquote, preachy or pc or whatever else you want to call it but i don't know michael and jj and ken how you felt about the isaiah bradley storyline after watching this we went back to watch um captain america the first avenger with that tone in mind and it Mm -hmm. uh it changes the mcu a little bit for me I I saw someone else make the the exact same comment. They did the same thing. They went back and watched Captain America and said that watching it, knowing having that context set out for them, um, changes the way that they view certain ones of the characters. Absolutely. Uh, in in the original Captain America, I think it's a, I think it's a good change. Honestly, in. That it is a it is fitting with the times we live in, uh, in that people are not so rah rah and trustful of our government as maybe they were back when Captain America the first one came out, and certainly not so much as when Captain America the comic came out, right? And it certainly does seem like something you could believe that this country's government would do. Well, there's the scene. There's definitely that scene in in that movie, um, the first Avenger. Where Peggy says, "Oh, this—they're taking blood out of out of Steve Rogers, right?" And she mm-hmm. says, "The secret of it is locked away in your blood." And you, I just, my heart just hurt thinking about that, right? Yeah, we're like, oh god. It, the thing I, that I thought was the hardest part to to take is when he comes back after he's like, "Oh, I broke out and I saved my buddies, and when I came back, they arrested me." And then you watch that scene in, in First yep. Avenger, yep. and he breaks out, That's, and he saves his buddies. It's there for a and, reason. I was going to talk about that one, too. Yeah, I have it written yeah. down right in front of me. Yeah, yep. sorry. No, no. That's intentional. It's, it's certainly ab- intentional. Absolutely right? intentional. They, they make the point that he served as honorably and faithfully and possibly even more valorantly than Steve Rogers did, and they just they locked him up and threw away the key, right? Yeah, yeah, and and you have to think about what Isaiah Bradley is, right? He's a super soldier. He's not a villain. Yeah. yeah. What did USA Agent do in this thing? Just by being ignored a little bit with his super soldier abilities, right? Yeah. And and what did Bucky do? And all these things, you know. And Isaiah just pretended to be dead because that was, you know. I don't know. Um. I don't know well, if you have any. He didn't want. 
he didn't want what had happened to him to con- basically to continue. Yeah, and that's, I mean, it's definitely a statement on the relationship of of Black Americans versus White Americans to, you know, what they feel entitled to be able to do or need to There's do. An, yeah. There's an interesting shift in the original truth, red, white, and black too. Um, that he, st- he does still essentially get released. He's not in prison for as long and he gets released, but he does end up becoming a, a black folk hero um, in, in his community. And he, he ends up having, he does end up being back with his wife and they, they change that. And it's, it is definitely to, to counterpoint to Sam be like, Hey, this is definitely the darker path that it could have, that it could go. So it is to shift that. And it's interesting to see why they do that for that story and to see where the comic goes with that and how also that legacy continues on because it seems very clear to me and many people looking at the MCU is they're building towards a young Avengers. And in that too, we do have a young Avenger in this ep- in the series. So it's, it's, it's a really great, I definitely, I mean, of course, everyone should go out and check out Truth, Red, White, and Black because it's a phenomenal story. But the the way they adapted it to this story is really well done, too. I mean, it's a complete, it's not completely different, but it's definitely different, right? Red, White, and Black, in my memory, was, he was in, he was still in World War II, I think. Yeah, so that's the thing that uh, so there's it's an interesting reading. Says I seem to remember that the experiment took place beforehand. Yeah, but on going I'm, back, I'm pretty sure was... I'm pretty sure they used him. They used Isaiah to create the serum before giving it to Steve Rogers in the in that story. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes, from from what I know of the story, that's right. I haven't read it, but yeah. I know a little bit about it. And yes, they were. Um, they were used as the the black soldiers were used as basically guinea pigs for perfecting the serum, which is maybe too dark for the MCU to have gone to. Which I and don't they know. they don't have yeah they don't have Doctor Erkshine as part of the the project either. And so something that I realized as re- rereading it, it does actually take place. Steve essentially a little congruent as well because there's a time period where he's locked up and Steve. Like he steals Steve's costume at one point, mm-hmm. and so it's it's an interesting time where they're like Steve comes back and he he finds out about it. That's the other thing too that's kind of different in the, in the book is that Steve never finds out about Isaiah in MCU to our knowledge. He's he's unaware of it, and we like even Buck says like no, I never told him because I never wanted him to feel like have to deal with this guilt. And uh, but yeah, so that that's it's it's they do it's it's also worded a little bit peculiarly in the in the true in. In the story, because I I heard another podcaster talking about it as well, and he miss he misread the time period as well, so it's it's off just a bit. So it's like I need to sit down and reread it and be like, okay, there is some overlap in their existence. I'm a little bit of re- retroactive continuity going on there, maybe. Um, yeah, of course. In order to fit that in, probably. But I'm glad yeah. they went there personally. I don't know if um, if any one had a problem with it. I don't want to speak out of turn. But I guess I didn't. <laughs> I, I I thought the act, like his acting and, and that part of the storyline was one of the better parts of Sam's arc. So I'm, I was for it. I wonder, yeah. I want, I mean, they put Sam's story, which is also a very, it's very interesting 
considering the times we ended up in, before they shot this show, they didn't know COVID was coming. Right? And they wrote Sam's story ahead of time to, you know, somebody grab me if I get too far out here with, but to kind of uh, forward the Southern experience, the black experience in America of economically left behind every time there's some sort of disaster. Right. So they come back Mm -hmm. from the blip and everyone is going, they're all going to lose everything. And it literally in the middle of, we're talking about COVID and who in this country has pretty much lost everything with restaurants and everything else. Right. (laughs) It's just kind of amazing to me how it lined up that way. Yeah. The the timeliness of it. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, it's a timely story, but it's also ones where it's, it's, you, you look, you'll, you'll watch something from 10 years back and you're like, Oh, this is still relevant today. It's like, that's sad in a way because you're like, Oh, they, if, if you go back and watch a show and you're like, Oh yeah, they, they, they planned, they wanted to tell the story. And it's like, it's sad that we are still facing this even, even beforehand. They're like, no, we're, this is something that needs to be talked about. And before, I mean, these stories were conceived likely, you know, two years back when they were wrapping up Endgame. They're like, no, we need to know where our plans are the next five years. Where's our plan? And they set up these boards like, okay, this is where we'll be. This is where we're going. So they already start planting seeds in certain ways. So like they already have Malcolm Spellman saying, this is a story we want you to, you want you to tell. And this is a story you want to tell whatever, let you take it from there. And so he knew that this was, this is what he wanted to focus on. He wanted to put two officers stopping, uh, Bucky and Sam after they leave the, the and, and they're having a fight and they stop him like, Hey, Hey, is he, is this, is this man bothering you? It's like, no, he's not bothering me. And like, they wanted that scene there. And that's, I mean, obviously we're dealing with black, we're, we need to recognize the black lives matter aspect of it and see like, Oh, this was brewing for a while. And this has been where we needed to be at this point. And when they rewatch it in five years, sadly will still be relevant to a degree. Yeah. And I, I think that the just the timing of it made made even more impactful the struggle that they've set up between Isaiah and Sam of you know how much how much change can you really affect by being part of the system versus trying to dismantle it and put something new in its place. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's really a interesting take on a I don't know, it's a bad word to use because I don't, but I can't think of like a non-revolutionary philosophy, right? Sam is not out here trying to tear down the government and start over. Well, he still has, Uh, he has the Steve Rogers opinion, roughly Steve Rogers opinion that exemplifying the good being, you know, being out there and showing people how it's supposed to be is more advantageous than unfortunately Isaiah's opinion, which was they're never going to respect you. And so you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, respect them back in a way. I mean, that seems to be what his opinion was. I don't know if I got it all correct there, but you know, his, his lived experience is that it, it's impossible to come out the other side of what they're asking you to do with 
any advancement or self-respect, which Sam sees as wrong. I think Sam, um, yeah, I think Sam can see that, but he also sees that that was his experience and he's, it's, it comes down to it is that it's hope. It's hope that they, he can make a difference. It's hope that he, that at some point there will be someone else to, to stand up with him. And that's, that's, that, that's where it's like, and it's, it's completely understandable that after everything Isaiah has been through, he, he's lost that hope a little bit, which we do hopefully see in that last scene where he's like, I will be seen. They will, they, 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 it's not just a shot of him too at that in the museum. It's a shot of the, uh, I want to say the full battalion of all black soldiers. Like he's not, his story will be told and that he won't be lost. Even if he, even, but it still gives him the freedom to not have to be in the spotlight, but he still gets to be acknowledged. And that, I think that's, that's what is the, again, it's hope, I guess is just the best way to put it. It's really sappy, but it's hope. I almost wish when I think about this show that it was, I think about it as two separate shows almost, right? Like that storyline is so important and, and falls into the MCU in a way that affects other things in your opinion of other things, even if it doesn't change the story of the first Avenger, when you hear little lines in there, it makes you hurt on the inside a little bit Uh, versus, versus the story with the, I don't even know the stupid name of their stupid terrorist group anymore. I've forgotten it. I put it flag Flag smashers. I put it out of my head. It's so dumb. Gosh, that's a comic poll. So I, I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, and there, and still it, it works within the ideology of what they're trying to push forward. So it, they adapted that character just like Zemo Zemo, who is just a, I'm a bad guy. Like he's, there's, I mean, they do eventually get some death to Zemo, but to a certain degree, he just started out as like, I'm a mustache trolling bad guy. And over time, we get to the MCU version, who his, I, he's very enjoyable in the show. There's times where I'm like, I trust him more than I trust John Walker. Why is that? And that's, it's a, we, it's a weird feeling because they, they do such a good job of writing this villain. And we were speaking earlier of, you know, lack of quality villains. I think Zemo is a quality villain. It's weird that and he just just because he is bad guy does not mean he is bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I I take it too hard on the flag smashers. Their story is there for a reason. It just is truncated and juvenile. Obviously, mm-hmm. the people that they are yeah. fighting for are in similar conditions to what Sam is saying is the conditions that everyone has gone through, including his family. Right. Um. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's all used to create the end of the story where he's able to convince USA agent to change, even though he's not able to convince the flag smashers to change. But through whatever reason, that that story for me doesn't doesn't work as well. But it's and like I, maybe that's the one that had to suffer as part of the, you know, the COVID changes or something. Who knows? Yeah. It's a, it's hard to say. John Walker's two doesn't come out as a good full because in the end he just gets to be like, he's like, I'm back. Yeah. It's like you still killed an, a semi innocent dude. Like he didn't like you killed the wrong person and you did it publicly and you just get to go back to black ops. Now, like there's the to me, the wrong story is there is that, Oh yeah, you it's, it's allowing. And it, with that, it's, is it the wrong story? At it, 
Yeah, I was going to say, well, is him it, skating the like ultimate white uh, privilege right I was there? Like, say, it it does kind of fit with the rest of what they're trying to tell, uh-huh. right? But it doesn't it doesn't shine the light and say, by the way, this is bad. It just it just lets it happen. And like, there should be like, I want a soldier outside the door to be like, oh no, we're still keeping an eye on him. Something to show like he shouldn't just get to walk free or, or acknowledge it more that it it. It doesn't feel like he he paid the right price. The more he talks, which, I mean, the more that it makes sense. <laughs> no, no, I. Yeah. But the problem- I mean, I guess that, you know, part of it is you maybe have some more familiarity with who U.S. agent is than maybe Michael or I do. It's yeah. like you know, as far as I can tell, he just got a new job working for like ultra black ops instead of like you know normal black ops or whatever. Yeah. But I assume there's some context I'm missing there, like who that is and what he actually does. I'd like yeah, to I mean, know how the Falcon fair. and the Winter Soldier, both p- participating as rogue agents throughout the world, are allowed to even get in to see Zemo. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, it's interesting because, like, at the end of the movie, like when uh, Bucky's walking around the the GCR GRC building, they're just like Sergeant. Like they just they still acknowledge his rank, and so he so he does have that. He still holds that rank, or. What does that mean to these people? It's it's very like questionable, especially because Sam can't even get a bank loan. But all right, so what does any of this mean? With, and they, they don't do like not that we need to have all that laid out for us, but give me some context. Yeah, I'm not sure that all of it means anything. As I laid out earlier, it's a interstitial mm-hmm. and it can't have too much uh, plot impact on the future, right? Although he comes, for he gets a pretty nice costume. Seeing, yeah, and then we see we'll see Sharon Carter in Armor Wars, and we'll see Elijah Bradley in Young Avengers. Oh, so and, oh, okay, is that you think that's the Young Avenger? Yes. So in who the is, comics, who is that? His nephew. Uh, his his, I won't say it's nephew, but maybe it's grandson. I don't. You know, I'm not sure what it is in this story. Um, but eventually he does get a blood transfusion after being injured and he get, he gets the super soldier serum continued on to him eventually. And so he becomes Patriot, which is the a new young Avenger. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. And then as far as armor wars, that's a future story with Rhodey. That is a pull off of the comic armor wars, which from what Sharon Carter said that would could very easily lead her character into armor wars. Yeah, of course. De- dealing weapons sounds like another version of Iron Man Two. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep. that then that's basically what Armor Wars is. Is you know someone gets his tech and then Rhodey has to go and clean it all up, but instead of uh, Tony because he's gone. Right. Rip. Yeah. R.I.P. to the the OG. All right. Yeah. Any further thoughts on either of these shows? I think we covered our. Th- feelings yeah i think i'm good nice i'm looking forward to loki yeah yeah when does that start soon right the uh, two, oh, two days actually, earlier than planned yeah they moved it up i was about to say to a wednesday it's weird yeah uh, i mean because they, we... they're, they're, they're gonna have bad batch for fridays for the for the next uh, 14 episodes so the next 14 wins fridays will be taken up so they'll move loki up two days so we need to watch ken do you think the first avengers movie and all those thor movies what do you think is necessary here oh for loki oh um 
You need to watch. Well, you need to watch in um, Infinity War and Endgame. Yep. Yeah, I guess to set up to set up how he gets to where I imagine they're going to start him off in this story. And if you want a little more, I guess you could watch um, Thor Ragnarok, which you should just watch anyway because that movie's great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thor two. I mean, as much as Thor two is one of the lesser Marvel movies, it's all about Loki. It does. It, yeah, exactly. It does yeah. have a, a good amount of Loki character building. So that's it's it's because we were talking about like earlier when JJ had mentioned like they lack villains. I'm like, well, Loki's pretty good, but the, their problem Again, is that they anti- he's an antihero now. Well, also, there's a new term that I just heard. Is there anti-villain? And I'm like, what? So essentially, it's a villain that just shifts that way. But I'm like, then isn't that it's a villain like Venom? Venom's villains now. Venom is now an antihero. Yeah. But I'm like, but he started as a villain. So. I don't know why they wouldn't coin the term anti-villain because it seems redundant, and, but here we are. An anti-villain a is a character with, with like, heroic goals, personality traits, and virtues who is ultimately the villain. So that would be like a killmonger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be an anti-villain. So no, Loki's not an anti-villain. He's an anti-hero. All right. Because he, he, at the end of Ragnarok, he's a hero. Depends on how much you believe what he's doing uh, is out of sure. virtue or for <laughs> himself. Sure. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Anti-villains everywhere. Uh, in the meantime, JJ, do the thing. Yes, if you if you would like to tell us about what, what who else is an anti-villain and why we should care, you can send that <laughs> to podcast. We were <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... Why should I care? I don't know. Uh, anyways, you can send that to podcast at webergamers.com. We are also on the social media. You can search for us at webergamers, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Facebook on there. Subscribe to us on YouTube. It really would be helpful. We were gamers, all one word. Check us out. Hit that subscribe. Get that little bell icon to get notifica- notified when the sweet videos go up. They are sweet. Very clear. They, Very sweet videos. They have visualizers on them. Yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Magneto would be an anti-villain then, right? I uh, Yeah. Well, yeah. It, except when he's an anti-hero because he's also oh, been a hero in comics. That's, I mean, that's why I think... Too many issues odd. of X-Men to sort through. Yeah. That's why yeah. I think the, the term anti-villain is like redundant. It's like, I mean, I get it to a certain degree, but also like there's already kind of a term that kind of fills in that gap depending on the story. So Yeah. yeah. Well, the Punisher would end up being an anti-hero because he's never really been a villain, right? aside from some issues in alternate timelines yeah i mean that's yeah it's mostly yes yeah i'm just trying to think of standard anti-heroes anyway that's a project for another time I, so wait who, who was the psychologist if it wasn't ed falco oh i looked up her name amy Aquint. Quino or something like that. Gotcha. She's she's been I she's been in they like look, the finder they and look stuff. Very similar. They look very similar. I looked at I looked at the picture of both of these two women side by side. I'm like, all right. Oh wow, they do look. They look if you similar. just blonded oh, wow, Amy yeah. Aquino's hair. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why I was like, oh, all right. I don't feel bad for mixing these up because I thought it was Edie Falco the entire time. <laughs> oh wow. So it's it's not it's not brunette Edie, Edie Falco. It's blonde. <laughs> What's her name? Yeah, exactly. Amy, yeah. Amy Aquino. All right. Amy I got to bounce, guys. Yeah, good later, stuff. Bro. Hey, Ken. Hope to later see you guys. Around. Thanks for having me. Have a good night. 
I was trying to explain Red, White, and Black, right? Because they introduced the character, and I knew who Isaiah Bradley was. Um, but they hadn't fully gotten into it, and we stopped that episode in the middle for some reason, and she was ask- asking about it. And so I'm explaining Red, White, and Black. Okay, well, she remembers my explanation of Red, White, and Black, right? Not the show's. Which ends up being very confusing when we're watching First Avenger, and she's like, "But I thought you said Isaiah Bradley was the first one." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> so hold on, we got to roll this back here for a second because <laughs> in the show they made him in the Korean War versus in the World War Two. Like I was explaining, she's like, "Wait, what?" And we had to go back through the whole thing. I had to re-explain it all, and it was a mess. Yeah, the change is a good one. It makes some sense because they tried to keep it in continuity. I don't know that it's a quote unquote good one because the story of red, white, and black being like, "Hey, uh, this country did some stuff uh, to get to where it is," uh, is pretty good. Yeah, but uh, I think I understand why the MCU would be like, "No, no, 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 too much." Well, I mean, they say that he was he was deployed during Korean War, but I mean, he also like when was that stuff the I'm, they said I'm they they about... said they changed they 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 created serums from his blood. I think they said didn't they say that they they were trying to use him as a guinea pig to recreate the serum? Yes, yes. After lost with Steve, after that's the that's the difference. After right? it worked on him, not, right? Because it did. They're not trying to make it; they're trying to recreate it, right? Yes. But it worked on him and a lot of others it didn't. And so they were trying to use right. him to pull it from his blood after they used Steve's well, also, blood, right? I, as far as I understood both, it. To both the show and the book, he's the only one that didn't have the monstrous side effects. Like his, he actually did have side effects longer lasting further down the line. But like one of them, they started to experience gigantism. And so he like one guy. It's also part of the art is a little more cartoony, but they did suffer different mutations to a degree, like a, a larger, larger muscle development and stuff like that. And so he's the only one that kind of stayed more along that baseline that Steve did. And he's the only one who, who because of that, survived. All of them eventually died off due to complications from the serum. Where they still would have, because there's a mission or two where there's like at least three or four soldiers that go out because they all have a super soldier serum variant in them. But his was the only one line, one that kept closer to the baseline idea of what they were hoping for. And so that was also in the, in the, in the show they mentioned, they wanted to know why it worked for me and not the other guys. Because the other guys, it worked, but one of them had a giant head because it just, the muscle growth went that way. Hmm. The giant head part was only in the comics, hmm. but yeah, that's it's 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 good. I do I it's it's sad because like I look back at I I see that what the show did and I think it's a it is a better story, especially to push Sam forward. But it, the comic does give me a little bit of ray of hope because Isaiah does end up meeting like Muhammad Ali, uh, Malcolm X. He he gets to be that black folk hero, even if it's just on the down low. He still gets to have a bit of a life afterwards. Yeah. And he, they, like he's reunited with his wife. They've, so. they've got so many years of the MCU. They just can't write him into it. 
Well, uh, yeah, and also too, you got to think this this story was told twenty plus years ago. So even with that, you still have to be like, okay, so timeline wise, how how long has Steve been out of the ice? So you also have to have, have that kind of idea of he has to be out of the public eye for so long to not have ever raised a suspicion. Oh, dude, you know we didn't even, for, we didn't even talk about did, how did you feel about them killing Battlestar? I yeah, I mean it's it was for the story. It's it, I like the character um Lamar Hoskins like later on and stuff, but I know that he essentially became a sacrificial lamb for the story, so it's it's one of those things where it's like it's unfortunate, but I do see it in the greater scheme of things to set off um John Walker in the comics John Walker's parents get killed in front of him, and that's that's that inside. Well, Battlestar has yeah. superpowers in the comics too, right? I think Battlestar has a ver- a version of a super soldier serum. Yeah, as or like he essentially he has a he has a serum from the power broker, but not the same one that that uh, j- actually I think it might be the same one John Walker has, but it's not the same like pure super soldier serum that Steve has. Gotcha. And even even Bucky has essentially a variant too because his was given to him by Armin Zola. Killing off his parents probably wouldn't have worked anyway. That's way too much. Yeah, I mean that, and that's also casting two more people. And you like, didn't have just, the you didn't have the time to work them into the story in any way that would have made sense. It's just surprising yeah. they like introduce a character that people know. Battlestar is not an unknown, and be like, and he's dead. Yeah, I have a completely random question, uh, Michael. How come you don't have a cool icon? You just have a little little Clyde Discord thing. Oh, I don't know. I've never actually. Uh, I was just thinking about that the earlier. Same, the uh, same reason I, I didn't have I one until you bullied me into it. Damn <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll come up with one. One of us. One of us. I just I I do a little Lego version of you. It'd be great. I do you that. do. You do love Lego. Do a, I could do it. I could do a screen grab from the uh, the digital version that I have from Comic Con Online last oh, yeah, year. That's, oh, or from the yeah. year that we all made comic like books. Designed. Yeah. Well, I just I only referenced last year because it's I have a digital copy of it. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, wait, was it was it last year or 2019? They did it twice. So they did oh. it. They did it in person in 2019, and then they brought oh. it back as an online version last year when there was no Comic-Con. Yeah. Again this year. I mean, technically there's a there's a special edition. Are you going to try and maybe. go to special edition? I might be working it, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what to do. I'm just I'm going to keep holding my ticket at this point. Oh yeah, I mean just definitely yeah, yeah don't even uh, you still I mean you still have your you still have your passes for like 2022 right like that's the way it's rolled over yeah they're continuing to roll we didn't apply you have to i think you have to choose to apply them to this thing in december if you you want to otherwise they just keep rolling all right there you go there you go ken i made i made an avatar for myself where is it It hasn't updated yet it's the same very good very clever (laughs) no no (laughs) i like it i appreciate oh i oh okay i see (laughs) how's this ken how's this ken i like it I like that it took more work than finding one. I'd like to point that out. <laughs> yes, it did, but it's worth it. <laughs> hey, I, I appreciate the personalized nature of it, quite frankly. 